Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Monday, December 2nd, and this is your FT News Briefing. The Federal Reserve is considering a new rule that would bring big changes to the way it carries out interest rate policy. UK politicians traded verbal blows on Sunday following the tragedy at London Bridge. And as the new EU leadership takes office this week, its ambitious plans are expected to be overshadowed by a fight on the budget. Plus, we'll look at what policymakers in Europe are doing to reinvigorate its industrial policy and fight back against the U.S. and China. I'm Amy Keene, and here's the news you need to start your day. The Federal Reserve has a dual mandate from the U.S. Congress. That is, to set monetary policy that encourages maximum employment and stable prices. It's tried to deliver on the stable price objective by keeping an inflation target of 2%. But even as U.S. unemployment has dropped to 50-year lows, prices aren't hitting the Fed's target. And so now, the central bank is considering introducing a new rule that would let inflation run above this 2% target. Sources told the FT that when the Fed misses its inflation target, it would temporarily raise that target to make up for lost inflation. This so-called makeup strategy is one tool policymakers are considering before the next economic downturn takes hold. With the UK general election less than two weeks away, Friday's London Bridge attack has prompted a row between the Conservatives and Labour over the best way to deal with convicted terrorists being released from prison. Usman Khan was jailed in 2012 for plotting to bomb the London Stock Exchange and to set up a terrorist training camp. He left prison last December and was still wearing an electronic tag when he murdered two people and injured three others on Friday. He was then shot dead by police. Conservative Prime Minister Boris Johnson has now made a pledge to introduce mandatory minimum 14-year sentences for, quote, serious terror offenses. He also wants to ensure prisoners are not automatically eligible for release halfway through their sentences. Here he is on the BBC's Andrew Marr yesterday. I think it's ridiculous, I think it's repulsive that individuals as dangerous as this man should be allowed out after serving only eight years. And that's why we are going to change the law. In his interview, Boris Johnson repeatedly blamed what he called a lefty labor government for introducing the Criminal Justice and Immigration Act in 2008. It allowed automatic release after prisoners serving long sentences had served half their term, without the prisoners having to go before the parole board. Meanwhile, Jeremy Corbyn said convicted terrorists should, quote, not necessarily automatically serve their full sentence. I think it depends on the circumstances, depends on the sentence, but crucially depends on what they've done in prison. So not necessarily then? No, not necessarily, no. I think there has to be an examination of how our prison services work and crucially what happens to them on release from prison. That's the Labour leader on Sky's Sophie Ridge show. And the EU's new leadership takes office this week, led by Commission President Ursula von der Leyen and European Council President Charles Michel. It has ambitions to make Europe a more muscular actor on the world stage, leading the way on climate change and boosting its defense and research capacities. But these aspirations will, at least for now, be overshadowed by a dispute on budget, the one trillion euro plus multiannual financial framework, as it's called. Some of the more frugal states, such as Germany, finance about half of net payments to the EU budget in 2020. That's according to a new position paper seen by the Financial Times. The paper calculates that this would rise to three quarters by the end of 2027. 
The states warned that their own citizens will not put up with this financial burden. The commission has proposed phasing out rebates or discounts that ease the cost of membership, as the likes of Spain, France, and Poland argue that these rebates for prosperous EU states can no longer be justified. The dispute over the new budget does not end there. Finland, which holds the rotating EU presidency, is expected to release a proposed negotiating framework today. But it doesn't look like the budget will be settled this year. And here's a story you should know more about. As the budget dispute rages on in Brussels, policymakers in Europe are going to great lengths to build a new industry entirely. Batteries manufacturing. European carmakers were slow to respond to the electric vehicle revolution and are almost entirely dependent on imported battery cells. But now the need is too great to ignore. This reinvigorated industrial policy is all part of an attempt to assert the continent's technological independence and ensure economic survival. And it comes as pressure from the U.S. and China intensifies. As part of a new FT series called Europe First, Mark Filipino spoke to our own Europe editor, Ben Hall, about the battery production plan. Most of the battery cells that go into battery packs for electric vehicles are made in Asia by Japanese, South Koreans, and particularly Chinese companies. At the moment, there are no large-scale European makers of battery cells, but there are a number of big ones on the way. And it's this rapid transformation, uh, this rapid scaling up of a European industry that is so fascinating. What are some of the external pressures weighing on Europe? In Europe right now, what we're seeing is a real feeling of economic insecurity that is coming from three things, arguably. One is U.S. technological supremacy, particularly in digital platform technologies. The second thing, of course, is Donald Trump's trade wars, which are squeezing globalization and mostly aimed at China, but with Europe being potentially squeezed in the middle. And then the third thing is Chinese state capitalism. Essentially, Europe has been one of the most open markets in the world and is now realizing that China is a systemic rival and that its form of capitalism is potentially one that will leave European manufacturing, European industry in a very weak state. That coupled with rapid advances in Chinese technology suddenly makes Europeans feel vulnerable and is making them think again about the kind of things that they need to do to bolster Europe's technological and industrial sovereignty, as they call it. So there's this vulnerability and this feeling that they need to catch up when it comes to the production of batteries. In 2017, we see the European Battery Alliance. What is that? Yes, so this was born out of a realization that Europe was far too far behind the curve, that they thought that the shift to electric vehicles was much further off than it was. And Policymakers, but also some far-sighted people in the industry, realized that what they needed to do was sort of galvanize action. Otherwise, there was a risk that a plethora of different companies would start up trying to manufacture batteries at scale, but without kind of critical mass and without the European car industry fully on board. So it was an initiative led by the industry, but very much sponsored and pushed by European Union authorities, particularly the European Commission, who felt that they needed to kind of corral forces. And by doing so, they have actually managed to focus investment and focus on some very big projects. So Ben, can you give me a sense of what the outlook for battery manufacturing is over the next few years? 
European battery manufacturing is expected to grow about tenfold. There's going to be a surge in demand from European battery makers. And after a slow start, they are now ramping up the shift to electric vehicles across Europe. Volkswagen is probably leading the way in Germany. This will create a huge demand for battery cells, battery packs. And if Europe doesn't want to import them all from China and other parts of Asia, it really does need to ramp up manufacturing very, very fast. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today, it's Cyber Monday. Amazon is set to be the big winner from the official kickoff to holiday shopping. Early figures from Thanksgiving and Black Friday show the e-commerce giant increasing its lead over rivals online. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.